This week in Casual Watch Talk, Fortis head for Mars, Bugatti's own Mido sells for $340,000, IWC go G-Force crazy, and we discuss Rolex security. Welcome to Casual Watch Talk. You're joined by Sam and Chris. How have you been, Chris? Ah, pretty good. Pretty good. Well, why don't we kick it off this week with some watch obsessions? Have you had a, a watch obsession this week? Well, a little bit. A little bit. We got into a conversation over in our Facebook group. Uh, definitely check it out, the Casual Watch Talk Facebook group. Got a bunch of folks over there and um, super friendly, lots of lots of stuff to talk about. And we, we uh, you know, we're open to all makes, all makes and models. So we don't, uh, we don't, no discrimination of, uh, of watch types. No Steinhardt. So, no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, no problem. Uh, yeah, no. Um, watch obsession this week, I think, would be uh, uh, TJ posted up a picture of his uh, PVD chronograph that he had uh, distressed. I will use that. I will use that term. Uh, where where he just he you know it just it just didn't look the part, and so he took. A little bit of sandpaper and some and and just sort of softened the edges a little bit, exposed a little bit of the silver stainless steel underneath, and kind of gave it that 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 feel. And then we got into a a really great discussion about you know how much is too much and like how 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 far is too far of this like faux distressing sort of sort of thing, and then also like to match the look. I mean, I think. A PVD pilot's watch, you know, should look like you've had the thing in a in a jet and, you know, you've done barrel rolls and it's gotten loose in your backpack when you're, you know, whatever. Um, these sorts of these sorts of stories that that sort of that sort of, co- that, you know, that go with it. And I, I, I'm I am all for uh, going for that look. Um, very similar to um, uh, the Japanese have a term uh, wabi sabi, which is a a appreciating an object that has these imperfections in it uh for for you know for its use and for what it is and i and i think it i I can i think it'd be well done so it's uh yeah a very uh interesting topic and certainly uh my obsession this week was was uh distressing pre-owned pvd watches yeah, it's funny that, isn't it? They, I know uh, when CGI was very early developed, they were trying to strive for that perfection is in imperfection. Like we can make things look beautiful, but we have to add right. in the imperfections to make them look realistic. Like, right, you know, pores right. and spots on people's faces and things like that. Exactly. So, exactly. Yeah. yeah. You can get into that, uh, especially like CGI, you can get into that like uncanny valley that exists where... Where it's like, oh, it's too real, and then you're like, wait, none of this is real, and so yeah, interesting, uh, interesting design design topic. Yeah, or like some of that Star Wars stuff where it's like, oh, that looks really realistic, but what's wrong with the eyes? <laughs> That's right. That's right. <laughs> well, I had I've had quite an interesting watch related week. I've still not got my X thirty three back, so it's still oh, the saga continues. The saga continues, but I I did a thing. I did a thing this week where I've been looking at my watch collection and we've been watching the timepiece gentleman which i know i've plugged this before but i've been really enjoying his longer form content and he did one about what watches are investments and of course they they deal in rolex and i was discussing with my wife basically that i enjoy watch collecting but i've obviously been through a lot of watches and 
I don't normally sell them for a profit. I don't know. Is that the same with you or? Yeah, I feel yeah, I feel like the best that I've ever done is sort of equal, which which I take as a win, you know, where it's like, well, I, you know, I bought this particular piece for, you know, let's say one of them I'm thinking of like seven, eight hundred dollars and, you know, was able to wear it and experience it for a year and then flipped it back on the market for six, seven hundred dollars is not too bad. You know, you like to, you know, like a hundred bucks or something, you know, or close or even or equal, you know, to experience the watch for a year. Yeah. The one that I've made that I made money on was the Speedmaster. So I nearly right. doubled what I originally paid for it. Having said that, I held on for it for 10 years. Yeah. Yeah. And then the good thing with that is that when unfortunately the doc market, the, then unfortunately when the stock market dipped, I managed mm. to drop the cash in for it there. So it did. I, Perfect. That's the one where I've won. But we were having this conversation about going forward. What do I want to collect that might retain its value? And of course, mm-hmm. there is only one. So yeah. we start. I started seriously flirting with the idea of should I buy a Rolex for my fortieth birthday. Okay. So we okay. went into, and I'm seriously thinking about it. So I went into the local Rolex AD, and I went in with. Did, a, did sirens go off as soon as you? Sorry. It, <laughs> do you know what? It's the first time I've ever walked into a Rolex AD, confident that I belonged. Not that I belonged nice. there, but not okay. feeling uncomfortable because they, right. they're uncomfortable places, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. But I tell you what, this. Rolex AD. It's in a huge mall in in Florida here, the the Mall of Millennia. If anybody knows it, Lit- I, I, honestly, I bet you they had two hundred slots for watches. I reckon they had ten watches in there. I mean, wow. all of the the wall displays, Just the window space? displays, nothing. They Ugh. we walked up to the counter to speak to really cool guy actually, Justin, and the only one in that section that that case section that we looked at was a this lady's date just probably a 26 mil with like Mm -hmm. rose gold and factory diamonds on it something that Mm -hmm. just looked so out there i spoke to him i thought i thought well let's let's just see what happens when you ask for a rolex so i asked for two models i asked for the green op which now sells for double that watch is five thousand nine hundred dollars on rolex and you can't get one for less than 12 it's unbelievable and we'll talk we'll talk about a story in a minute about rolexes as well and Mm -hmm. i I asked him would he put me on the list for that and he was like yeah and then i asked Mm. him to put me on the list for a 41 mil date just with that slate dial by far i think is the yeah um and he said to me that the green OP, when they first released them, remember? do you remember we talked about this where Rolex was sort of saying, oh, anybody can get this watch right? if you want yes, it? Yes, I remember that. Yes, yeah. They're like, come on down. Come, come on, on down. down. And like every, yeah, and every YouTuber was like, what? <laughs> so this, this Rolex AD that I went into is part of Mayer's group, which is owned by Watches of Switzerland. And he told me, uh, Justin there told me that they could take orders for them. They uh, originally, when they first came out, they could take orders for them. But after like two weeks, Rolex right. cut them off. And in that yeah. in that period of orders that they got for the green OP, they've only got through a quarter of that list. This guy, uh, Justin, wow. said that he'd only seen one green one wow. come through their in, store. Uh, in person, in, in the person. store. Wow. He'd only seen. 
it, wow. it's it's incredible like the demand that they that they must have generated for this watch so i'm gonna see what happens basically if yeah, if okay. I, i'm interested to give feedback on the show if if by mm-hmm. miraculous they do ha- they do get a green op or they do get a date just then i might seriously consider buying one just to have it yeah. as an investment but we'll, we'll see how it goes so anyway that was the big watch related big news. obsession yeah 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 big watch cool. obsession cool. well that's the end of the watch obsessions shall we dive into this week in watches because we've got a few new stories to go through but it's definitely been a lighter week i would say first new story here is bugatti famous car maker sold his own or he's obviously passed away now but his own mido watch has just recently gone up for auction and it blew away all of the expectations they were originally slating for it to be like $80,000 around there, but it ended up selling for $340,000. I'll show you this on, this is a story from Watch Pro. Don't know that I'm loving the design myself, but it's definitely the whole Bugatti uh, right. front grill, isn't it? And mm-hmm. apparently he was a huge fan of Mido and regularly bought them for as gifts for employees and also for... Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's uh, certainly a unique, you know, a unique looking piece. Now, I, I, the question I had is, it is, ac- is it actually a unique piece from them, from the manufacturer? Like, is this only one of one or did they make a, a bunch of these in this sort of style with the front of the radiator grill of a Bugatti? Yeah, so this is, this was a commissioned piece by him. Oh, okay. Okay. I mean, then seems, uh, you know, one of one. That's a... It seems like a uh, pretty uh, pretty decent price for that, and certainly a, a piece of uh, Bugatti history. Absolutely. If you've got uh, if you got if you have uh, if you're a collector or you've got uh, a couple of their cars, I cannot afford a, a strut off one of their cars, but <laughs> but uh, uh, but certainly a, a bit of uh, automotive history and and Bugatti itself, like you know, um, from a car perspective, it, it feels like they they were. Um, they were in the game and then they, they went away and they really didn't make anything. And it wasn't until the Veyron and, you know, they, they got um, acquired by the Volkswagen group that, that they sort of the name came back and, uh, and some of the prestige. So yeah, pretty good price for a one-off prestige watch like that. Yeah, I, I thought that was quite interesting um, because we're so used to seeing auctions where it's rare Rolexes or rare Omegas. So I thought it was interesting that Mido kind of came up as, as a rare yeah. watch that obviously got like blew the expectation. I'm sure it's to do with the the association, of course. But let's move on to our next story, and this one in particular hit very home for hit home for me because. Where I'm from in Manchester is actually not that far from Wigan. This happened last year, but unfortunately this guy was uh, murdered for his Rolex Submariner. Paul, uh, the reason I bring this up is, it it raises two unfortunate questions. Is Paul Thorpe made a great video on this that he, I don't know if if you've watched Paul Thorpe for a long period of time. He's Mm -hmm. got a real being his bonnet, and rightly so, about the Rolex lost and found register, and that that they stopped doing it. So there's this, obviously, this idea that 
Rolexes at one time. If they were stolen, you could register it with Rolex. In fact, mm-hmm. I've heard of people doing this where they found a Rolex or something, mm-hmm. or they might have found it and they've taken it to the police and the police have gone on to this. But apparently mm-hmm. Rolex have stopped this. And Paul Thorpe's fear is that these stolen Rolexes are now untraceable. I mean, thankfully for this uh, poor guy that um, uh, lost his life here, uh, Steve McMiler, he they they captured his killers or at least uh, the alleged killers. Mm-hmm. But so this is it, it's interesting because Paul Thorpe rec- thinks now that if there was a lost and found register, then when people right. try to you know, process these watches or try and right. sell them on that there will be right. some. And we talked about this with blockchain, didn't a little we? Bit. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. I mean, I, I feel, I mean, such a tragedy, first of all, such a tragedy. And, you know, it's not worth, it's not worth your life. So, I mean, if somebody wants, you know, if somebody wants it, they can have it. It's just not even worth it, you know? Uh, but, you know, the fact that like it gets singled out and then now it becomes this, you know, this piece that you can't, you know, you don't feel safe. And I, and I haven't heard it so much here, maybe in the maybe in the cities, but uh, certainly from some of the YouTubers in Europe, um, I, I, I definitely hear the like, yeah, I'm, I'm leaving the Hulk at home. I'm not I'm not going out with that. You know, I'm putting that in the safe and I'm and I'll go to the wedding with it, but I'm not going to go you know, on mass transit, you know, or, or get an Uber and go, you know, down to the shops with it. Um, so, you know, sad that sad that it's gotten to the point where, you know, uh, you have these thieves, these criminals that, that, that are out looking for these particular pieces. So if you sort of identify that, but from what I've seen, yeah, Paul Thorpe, I mean, I, I believe that he's correct that he, you could just, you could just solve this problem. This is a, this is a problem that we create that, that they they're maybe not responsible, but like certainly some of the responsibility of the way these watches are turned over and sold on and untraceable and this sort of thing. I mean, like they could, they could press a button and make it so that these are not untraceable. They can make it so that these are not, you know, one off. I mean, you, you, I, you know, for the millionth time, I will compare it to cars. You know, it used to be, that you didn't have any, you know, you had rudimentary lock systems on cars and you had weird alarms. Um, but nowadays, the doors in your car have your VIN number on them. And and it's stamped in like 15 different places. And so these companies will still, you know, try to sell stolen parts, but eventually they will find them and eventually they will stop them because it's just... It's, you know, they, they track, they track every little piece and they, they track these, uh, you know, these down to the, the nuts and bolts of, of every, uh, you know, every machine. And so there's no reason why we can't just, you know, press a button. We have the technology and, and do this with, uh, with our expensive Swiss watches. Yeah. And as well, the, you know, the cost that some of these pre-owned Rolexes are going for as well. I mean, I remember last year, Maybe it was the year before I reviewed the Daytona at Bob's Watchage, and I'm sure they were selling it for $25,000, and I thought that was steep at the time. And those ceramics now, they're $34,000. I mean, the prices have gone crazy. But, yeah, I mean, on one hand, I know what you mean about, you know, wearing really expensive watches. Wigan, Mm -hmm. if Wigan's anything, I've only, I've been to Wigan, you know, quite a few times. If it's anything like Stockport, it, it... 
there's just those people that will try and steal anything off you, unfortunately. Right. And yeah. they're cowardly because they'll fight you in a pack uh, instead of taking you on one-on-one, right. which is which unfortunate, right. uh, unfortunate yeah. thing in the UK. Horrible. But yeah, um, so really, really sad. It hi- I think it highlights a lot of certainly what the stuff that Paul Thorpe's been saying about the Rolex mm-hmm. Lost and Found. Also, mm-hmm. I know a concern that we all have, I guess, about wearing very expensive watches mm-hmm. out there. Mm-hmm. And, and and I think uh, you you mentioned in the beginning. I think the majority of folks are honest, and you know they've done this they've done this social experiment many times where you know they leave a wallet with some cash in it, and eighty to ninety percent of the time, people look at the address and they can contact the people and send it back, and it's just this small percentage, and we could just we could just squash it. So. Moving on to our next story now, and Fortis released a new watch that is firmly heading for Mars, and it's actually involved in some of the early testing that they're doing. I'll just show you this, Chris. Have you seen this um, this new watch? I know it was quite the buzz on our Facebook group, mm, but yeah. this is being specifically designed for a test that they're do- that's being done in conjunction with the Israeli Space Agency where they're going to send some people into a... They're calling them analog astronauts. I'd never heard this term before. Have you heard this? Uh, yeah, I kind of... I, yeah, I have. I, I, it's a little, little, little strange, but yes. <laughs> so these are essentially astronauts that are going to simulate living on Mars in the desert. So this watch has been designed for them, but with the idea that it will eventually go to Mars. So... Fortis, obviously famous for being part of the Russian space program, the Roscosmos, Roscosmos space program. But what do you think of this, Chris? This watch? I, yeah, I, I like it. I mean, it's um, it's it's got. I mean, Fortis is definitely in my wheelhouse as far as like tool watch style. Um, they've done some. Uh, they've done some Martian mission stuff in the past as well. So it's good to see, even with the new owner, um, that they're sort of sticking to that. And I don't, I, I, I mean, I, in maybe I'll say this, maybe four or five years ago, I thought like, well, you know, what's the, what's the chance that, you know, it, like, are we just, are we just playing Martian on the earth? And is this, you know, what's the real possibility here? But as we're getting down, you know, as we're as we're moving through the moving through the years here, um, a an actual Mars mission is is looking like it could be on the horizon, and why not stock them? Why not why not design them with the folks that are going to be, if not going on, but designing those first missions? And so when they go to outfit the first Martians or the first folks that'll be on Mars. Um, they're they're gonna reach for for this watch or something something newly designed from them, and that's really a long term opportunity that Fortis is gonna take advantage of. And I'll tell you, if this is the first watch on Mars, um, they'll be they'll be riding that marketing for many 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 years. Yeah, absolutely. It's definitely got some interesting design choices, hasn't it? It's got the double the double pips at the top here. You've got the very large central chrono there that looks to count up to thirty minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I like the look of it. Uh, all yeah. titanium. The, you know, uh, it's a little controversial with the zero in front, but it but it 
it actually balances the dial you know, zero to versus 10, you know, that sort of thing. Yeah. Interesting, interesting design, design choices there, but, uh, it'll, it'll definitely, uh, but I, but I think it looks like a pretty good, uh, pretty good tool watch ready to go to Mars. So next story is definitely a little bit of a secret, but it's also a teaser. This week, I had the opportunity to speak to Mike France at Christopher Ward. He came on the audio version of the show I feel like it was a year ago, but they are coming out with some new watches and I I can't, unfortunately, I'm under embargo until Thursday, <laughs> or Chris or I are under embargo till Thursday. Uh, I'll be releasing a video the day it launches, but keep an eye out for it because I think these are game changing for them. Mm. There's There's three watches that are coming out and I think they are some of the best that I've ever seen from Christopher Ward. Like I know this sounds like I'm uh, hyperbole here, but Mm. if you, if you hold out for that, I've got, well, fortunately we haven't got access to the watches, nor did Mike who, I mean, he, he's the CEO of Christopher Ward and he hasn't got the watches there, but there's going to be plenty of stock images in there. Plenty of the, blueprints and things like that i think you'll really find it interesting so a little a little plug for this upcoming interview special that we'll be releasing on thursday next story is i was if i've only just found this one before we were ready to make the show but i was just watching teddy balbazar did a great upload on a watch brand i'd never heard of rgm watches have you heard of them chris um i i have they're um they, what are they in Pennsylvania? Is that they, right? Yeah, they're in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. So where Hamilton mm-hmm. started. Yeah, yeah. Um, other than um, American watchmaker, that's you know not not too much. I know uh, if I if I remember correctly, um, they do uh, you know smaller run pieces, special pieces. But I I don't off the top of my head, I don't I can't think of anything that that they're known for. I'll leave a link in the description down below because as normal, Teddy does like a great job of these watch factory tours. The reason I mention it now is I'm amazed that we don't know more about them or that we're not talking about them more because they're making, they they make their own movements. They make 90% of the movement themselves. They don't buy any off the shelf parts. It's not an ETA movement that they're modifying. As we've talked about before, the things that they can't get in the U.S. are, or right. they can't make themselves, are the hairsprings and also mm-hmm. the the jewels. I didn't realize that you can't. Yeah. I mean, it makes synthetic sense, I suppose. Ru- yeah, synthetic yeah. rubies. Yeah, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. it's amazing. Like these, he's got machines in there to do the guillotine on the dial that I think are over a hundred years old. I highly recommend you check it out. I didn't know much about them, but they are hand making movements in the u.s wow. i think everybody yeah, should that's be great. talking about them. Uh, yes yes i totally agree i totally agree that's great let's move on to our next story here and this one i had to run it past tj uh the channel's resident aviation expert because i couldn't quite believe what i was reading with this i'll show you this um on IWC's website here, but this must have slipped under the radar, Chris. Did you see this watch that they I, released? No, I haven't. This is new to me. So this is their new big pilot watch, and it's a bit of a concept piece. And if you didn't, if it didn't have 
AWC on the dial, I think you would swear that this image was something from like a G-Shock, how they used to expand this out. Right. But this watch will withstand 30,000 G, which uh, TJ has uh, had me on good authority. That is 29,991 more G than what the human body can take. (laughs) Oh, okay. Nice. So they've created this watch that is apparently the most shockproof watch that a mechanical watch that's ever been made so it can withstand these amazing shocks they got the cambridge university to test this resistance and everything like that but this one i don't think it was it was a watch and wonders release yeah it's new to me yeah Hmm. uh, so they've got this new spring g protection they got this ceramic titanium case you know one of those it looks like it suspends the whole movement. Now, what's interesting is the movement itself still has the, you know, the shock on the jewel. Uh, like the, the Inca block type of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's interesting. Like, So they basically, they're shock protecting the whole movement in this case. And a uh, uh, little caveat, uh, and I, I see in your notes here. So uh, TJ... That's uh, that's nine G is uh, passing out. So I think people yes. can take a little more. I think uh, what was it um, the F one crash uh, was like fifty something, which you don't want to take fifty Gs ever. And like if you drop something uh, like a laptop or something, like it, it could take like a sustain, you know, a quick like forty G jolt. Mm. But again, again, this is nothing compared to that thirty thousand number. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not quite sh- I mean it's cool, but it's took them 8 years to develop this. Yeah. But I'm sh- struggling for I mean TJ said this that it's a it's a, you know, a solution looking for a problem. Right. Right. Yeah, I feel like this is a like this is a um, you know, the the oil-filled watches that can go 10,000 meters. That's what that's what this is. So like you're like <laughs> You're like, well, I got to 30 and I died. <laughs> so so I guess we can go the whole way. <laughs> you know, the, your watch just floating down in a in an inner space there. But <laughs> yeah, a little bit of a little bit of looking for a problem <laughs> that we don't have that we don't necessarily have. Okay. Yeah. 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 And and maybe this is just, you know, I mean, maybe this is just a uh, technology, you know, advancement for them or, or a technology demonstrator, if you will, for them, where they're like, oh, well, we, if we mount the movement this particular way on these sort of sliders, we, we can shock protect it much more. So, you know, who knows? Maybe it'll, you know, because if it, you know, I worry about dropping watches. It's like even off, like I've got hard, hard tile in the house and just I, like I'm a tall guy. And so like if it falls from six feet, it's a ways. Um, so it could do something there. Well, I smashed, I smashed a, uh, the, um, you know, I, I smashed the Speedmaster um, oh, on the, 
you know, it was, it, and that's how good that uh, Hesalite yeah. is, really, because it, all it did was crack the Hesalite. It didn't shatter it nice. or anything like that. And the watch, it didn't damage the watch at all. Wow. It was when the uh, the the kind of clasp failed on it, right. and yeah, I dropped it onto a tile surface from a height. Yeah, that was a that was a nerve wracking, yeah. nerve wracking. Yeah, day. but it seems like the it seems like the crystal took the took the hit there, which is good. I will give so. that definite props to the Speedmaster that yeah. when I had it for those twelve years or whatever, it took. I did not baby that thing at all. Right. I didn't really understand luxury watches, so I didn't I didn't understand anything about mechanical movements or magnetism at the time. And right. I like bashed it around a lot, but it <laughs> took it. I mean, it, yeah. you know, it's no joke that it, that it went through all of those NASA tests yeah. with flying colors reportedly. That's cool. In fact, um, uh, when I was chatting to Mike at Christopher Ward, he was saying, and I'm not sure, I, I tried to search for this stat myself. He said that um, he heard that Omega, only 10% of the watches they sell are chronograph models. Oh. Everything else okay. is the is like a three-hander or one of the other variants. Okay. So I found I that very that. interesting. Yeah, that is interesting. He, Only 10% of all of the stuff that they sell? Yeah, you should, wow. watch, you should wow. watch that upcoming interview yeah. that I do with him because he's got little tidbits of information mm. in there. Some fascinating stuff about the watch industry that he can just reel right. off because yeah. they're, uh, Christopher Ward, like, they're constantly inquisitive about watches themselves hence the super right. compressor and the sapphire yeah. dial watch so he's like a constantly you know he's a watch lover as well that's constantly trying to search these things out so i found yeah. that really interesting I, maybe that's and maybe that's why it took them i mean i i think they only they only recently started down with the with the chronographs for them i mean that wasn't all you know they started in the gmt three handers first then the gmts and like I, oh, Christopher you know, Ward, Christopher Ward, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, and so like maybe that's that's maybe that's why because they're just like, well, if you know, if we're not going to be, if we're going to be going into all of the effort to make one, um, you know, let's you know, let's spend the effort, but also to know that like it's not going to make up, you know, sixty percent of our catalog. Yeah, he, he yeah, was full of little gems. On one yeah, of the other good. ones that he dropped was about that. There's only two crown manufacturers of any repute in the world. So, like, <laughs> uh, cool. the majority of crowns come from these, or certain uh, luxury crowns come from. But right. I, I won't tease anymore. I've said too much That's already. Wait, 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 wait. Thursday. Yeah. yeah, can't wait. Well, guys, we went over some really interesting stories this week. Uh, I'll leave all of the links in the description down below. Head on over to the Casual Watch Talk Facebook group to continue the conversation there. Uh, as always, we appreciate you watching and listening. And we'll see you next time on Casual Watch Talk. Thanks, guys. Bye.